Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Well, you know, two hours ago, came out of the gate, and I boldly declared that my cup runneth over here on this radio show today, and it still runneth over, Sue. I don't know if you can feel the, uh, the cup I running over. I do. I can feel it. The audience could probably feel the cup running over right now. But I'm not even making this up. I got some really good audio that I have yet to share here this afternoon on a variety of topics. Let me just get to one here just because I thought that this was, this was good here. Jamie Dimon. Um, who J.P. Morgan, uh, big big name in you know, in American financial services, sure. if you will, and politics because he has an influence. He talks about what's happening with the economy. People go to him a lot. CNBC went to him to ask him about some of the things happening with the economy. I wish the Democrats would think a little more carefully when they talk about MAGA. When people say MAGA. They're actually looking at people voting for Trump, and they think they're voting, and they're basically scapegoating them. He wasn't wrong about some of these critical issues, and that's why they're voting for him. And, and I think people should be a little more respectful of our fellow citizens. And when you guys have people up here, you should always ask the why. Not like it's a binary thing. You're supporting right. Trump. You're not supporting Trump. Why are you supporting Trump? It's hard to Trump? hate 75 million of your fellow Americans. And it's, I, I agree. It's done quite and, you know, the it. Democrats have done a pretty good job with the deplorables, not- hugging onto their Bibles and their beer and their guns. I mean, really? Like, can we just stop that stuff and actually grow up and treat other people with respect and listen to them a little bit? Jimmy, and, and I do think the economy will affect. And I think this, this negative talk about MAGA is going to hurt Biden's election campaign. Interested. I thought that was an interesting observation there at the yeah. end. You know, they use this, and, and Kamala was on The View today, the most politically defining talk show in America, of course, talking about some of this nonsense today. But they think that that's, because I'm guessing they pulled it, right? And they think it's going to have an effect. I'm with Jamie Dimon. I think it, it backfires simply because it's make America great again. And there's not a lot of people right now that are paying attention. But once they maybe do pay attention, if they pay attention, we, uh, we might have some different results. By the way, and I said I wasn't going to say this on the air when I told you the story last week uh, that happened in my home, so I told you this earlier. So mm. the, in my house, I'm watching Fox on Friday morning, right? Yep. And um, somebody says, in my own home, oh, Trump's running again? Yeah. Now, I'm not going to mention any names, <clears throat> my 26-year-old son, but it, it spoke to maybe several things. Bad parenting on my part. But also, I've said this before, a lot of people aren't paying attention. We always think everyone's paying attention. They're not. That's true. And I'm not even sure they will, given the nature of how the race is shaping up, from the standpoint that we're all exhausted already, and it's only January between Trump and Biden. So I'll be honest with the audience. There's, There's some concern moving forward just from a media landscape 
perspective, and mm-hmm. Fox would be maybe the Foxes and the CNN. So Trump drives ratings, right? Oh yeah. But he also wears people out. He, he and this whole thing may just exhaust people to the point where they say, "I can't take it anymore," and we have to talk about things that are not going to make my brain hurt. So I don't know where that takes us. I don't either. But I'm thinking about moving to Spain for a year <laughs> and coming back next year at this time. This would be, I think, this would like be inauguration day. Would it? <laughs> oh gosh, I think, I think so. I think yeah. I saw that on the X, formerly Twitter. It has to be true if it's out there. Uh, Bill King is with us. He's listening to me blab right now. He is a real clear contributor, former. Houston mayoral candidate has written several books, including unapologetically, unapologetically, that's not a word I say often, moderate, and he is the co-chair of the Forward Party of Texas. Bill King, how are you? Welcome to 97.1 FM Talk. Hey. Hey. Hi, Mark. Good to be back. Tell me, uh, yeah, it's great to have you back. Tell me, I think we've talked about the Forward Party uh, previously, but remind people what that's all about. It's, it's, it is a third party. I'm actually not involved with it now because I've kind of moved on to some other oh, okay. things. But they're trying, they're trying to get organized and get on the ballot in states uh, around the country, and they've got operations in about a half a dozen states, I think, now. Well, you wrote about Social Security, and this is kind of an issue that I've, I, don't, I don't like to get into the weeds too far. And let's face it, you talk about entitlement spending and things like that, and maybe people's eyes roll over. But Social Security is relatively important. I'm getting to the age where maybe it becomes part of my income in about a decade. But then I mentioned I have kids that are in their 20s. I have an 8-year-old as well. And then the question becomes, how much of Social Security will actually be there for them in the future? I've always said, Bill, I don't know if you agree with me, that when it comes to fixing things in this country, the fix for Medicare is a lot tougher than the fix for Social Security. Some of it might be painful, but there are, you know, there are solutions. Well, you're absolutely correct. Social Security is a relatively easy problem to solve. Uh, Medicare is a much more difficult problem to solve. Um, And that has to do with the fact that we're basically paying for people that don't really take care of themselves all that well, and there's no real incentive for people to do that. So, you know, that's a, that's a much more difficult problem to unwrap. Social Security is is pretty easy math. Uh, we kind of know how many people are out there uh, and what it's going to take to keep paying the benefits at the current level. If we don't do something, then in about – 2034 or something like that, you're only going to have enough income coming in to pay about 80% of the current level of benefits. So part of the issue is, is a combination of factors, right, Bill? And, and you're right about this, but look, we, we have, uh, we live longer. Um, we have, uh, you know, a situation where younger people aren't interested in working as much. So that that's going to affect how much money is going into the, the trust fund. So there's a variety of factors that are affecting this. And then there's the other factor, which is politicians in Washington want to kick the can as long as they can and really never address this issue because they're afraid of being primaried in a race where someone's going to say you're uh, throwing granny off the cliff, right? Right. Now, look, there's the, the real issue here is demographics. When we started Social Security back in the 30s, you know, it was, you know, you had um, eight or 10 workers for every person that was on Social Security. It's now down to about three, and it's headed down below two here uh, over the next 10 years or so. And that's just because, you know, we don't have nearly as many babies as we used to have. Uh, you know, the average woman in 1970 was still having an average of five babies in the world. Uh, today, that's down to a little over two over the entire world. It's about 1.6 in the United States. So you just have a whole lot more old people and not nearly as many young people. It's not that they don't want to work, Mark. It's just there's not nearly as many of them. 
Right. And that to your point, that is a demographic issue. So then, what, you know, because what happens is when we talk about the solutions here. Um, I happen to think that there are people Let's see where you, we are on this, that um, and you can maybe even say this for Medicare. There are people that have enough money where they do not need to rely on Medicare. But with Social Security, you get to the point where there are definitely people that don't need to take the Social Security. Is there a scenario where you're means testing some of this in the future? Because you almost have to, don't you? Yeah, there's actually already some means testing that goes on. When they when they made the reforms back when, you know, the famous Ronald Reagan tip O'Neill, one thing they started doing was taxing Social Security benefits, which was a way to indirectly means test them. Um, but at the end of the day, you've got to either have some more revenue into the system or you've got to start you got to start paying out less money. And there's a bunch of different ways you can do that. You know, we have a cap right now. I think it's one hundred and eighty five thousand dollars or something that the first hundred eighty five thousand dollars is subject to payroll tax. You could increase that cap up higher. You, know, you could raise the payroll tax rate. You could extend out retirement to a longer period. You, know, you can't retire at, I think it's now 66 is the normal retirement age. You could push that out a little bit further. There's a bunch of things that you could do. None of it's going to be particularly popular, which is why no politician wants to touch any of it. But it's also important to to mention that any of the changes, I've, I've covered this now and talked about Social Security reform and some of these things for decades, for four decades. And whenever they get discussed, and this gets left out of the fine print, we're, we're really never proposing anything that would affect people under the, I'm sorry, over the age of 50. Generally, that's true. Generally, when they're talking about changing the retirement ages or anything about the benefits you're talking about, what you're going to change for earlier generations that are not yet on Social Security so that they have time to rethink and adjust what they're going to do. Look, the truth of the matter is, whether you're talking about Social Security or government pensions or your 401k or whatever, in the in the dynamic that we're living in today, everybody's going to have to plan on working longer and saving more during their lifetime because we're living longer. We've got expenses out there. And, you know, increasingly, a lot of the jobs that people do are becoming obsolete. So, you know, if you've been working on a factory line and you're 50, 55 years old or something and they come in and say, hey, we're laying you off because we now have a robot doing that work, the chance of you going out and getting retrained into some brand new career just not very good. And so a lot of those folks end up just not uh, working anymore. And we see this in the participation rate. Yeah. And, and I don't you know, I, I would have to say, I think you'd agree with me here. Some of this is getting a little more tricky with inflation as well, because you have money that is saved up and it's not worth nearly as much as it was three, four years ago. Well, for sure. You know, it's um, uh, if you're if you're a saver, you're penalized by inflation. And so that's absolutely an issue. Now, when you've got higher interest rates like we do right now, that offsets it a little bit. But it's it's absolutely true that whatever nest egg you put aside today is going to be worth less money in the future. So, Bill King, before I let you go, I mentioned you wrote a book, and I think it goes back about 10 years ago to 2014. The book was Unapologetically Moderate, My Search for the Rational Center in American Politics. That was 10 years ago. Boy, a lot's happened in those 10 years. Is, is that even – is the rational center something that exists in modern politics in 2024? Well, it exists in the American public. I don't know that I'd say it exists in politics. I think that's true. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you when you look at when you look at the polling on almost any issue, Mark, and you take 
the most controversial, let's take abortion, for example. You know, the two political parties would have us believe there are two positions only, pro-life and pro-choice. And you're one, you have to pick one of those two. But what the polling shows is that about 70% of the American people think that early in the pregnancy, say in the first 12 to 15 weeks or something, the woman ought to have the right to do pretty much whatever she wants to. But after that, you need to have a really good reason to have an abortion. Right. That's what 70% of the American people, if you put up for a vote, that's what would be voted in. But yet, that's not the position of either of the two political parties. No, I think you've summed it up quite well. And, and I don't, you know, that's going to be, focusing on that issue is going to be a big part of this year, I think, when it comes to even a state like Missouri, which is pretty red, there's likely going to be a ballot issue, not unlike, um, you know, Kansas and some other states of Ohio, I guess, most recently, to vote to codify this into our Constitution. It's likely going to pass, even in a deep red state here. Yeah, look, I, I just think the, the, the view of, of both parties here is out of touch with the majority of people. And so if you put any kind of a ballot proposition out there that has a, some kind of a rational alternative, I think people are going to vote for it, whether it's a red or a blue state, because the truth of the matter is, when you say it's red and blue, in, in every one of these states, you know, what you have is about 20 to 30 percent of the people that really believe in one of the two political parties. But you've got something like 40 to 60 percent of the people that don't really like either political party very much. And they may end up leaning one direction, say red, you know, uh, in, in Missouri. But that doesn't mean that they believe everything the Republican Party stands for. I think you're right about that. Bill King. Thanks for coming on here. You're down in Houston. Tell me the Texans are going to be able to take out the Ravens this weekend. Well, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a tough game for us. We're, I think we're nine-point underdogs. But, you know, this team has come back and come back. Nobody thought that they'd be able to do it. This quarterback we've got has just been playing unbelievable. And, by the way, it's just an outstanding young man. You know, after the, I was at the Titans game, and after the Titans game, one of the Titans players was hurt. And this young man went out, got a bunch of the Titans players and the Texans players together in the center of the field after the game, and all knelt down and prayed for the Titan player that was hurt. Oh. It's kind of character these boys have. C.J. Stroud, you're talking about him, and he is extremely yes. impressive oh, awesome. as uh, as a human being and as a quarterback. Plus, they got a guy on their team. I'm going to root for anyone that's got a guy who's a wide receiver by the name of Tank Dell. I mean, is yes. that not just a, that's a great that. football name? <laughs> that. Hey, Bill King. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, got hurt though. Oh. Yeah, well, that's true. I think he's on IR right now. Bill, good luck this weekend, and thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks. All yeah, right, anytime. 520, 97.1 FM Talk. I do have uh, Jackie Holman coming up here, who is the president of a group called the Greenwich Greenwich. I'm sorry, Greenwich Patriots. I always want to say that W in that word. And wrote a piece in a publication in Connecticut about a very controversial graphic novel. He called it like a picture book, right? These are very popular, I'm finding out, like even with little kids. My daughter's oh, really? eight. And there's all kinds of graphic novels that she brings home, some of which have been, no, don't, don't get me wrong, she's not bringing home genderqueer, but that is a graphic novel. I that's see. been one that has been controversial. There's another one that's relatively controversial that features some stuff related to a Japanese bathhouse that's in an elementary school library. And Jackie's going to highlight that here in just a couple of minutes. But let me get to um, some of the audio that I have not gotten to here this afternoon. I want to circle back on some of the media stuff here. And we played this yesterday from Rachel Maddow. What's his name? Jake Tapper did this too. 
on CNN. Oh, you know, Bill, he's ripping on Trump because of what Tapper referred to as his anti-immigration language, right? His anti-illegal immigration language. Then Rachel Maddow this. At this point in the evening, the projected winner of the Iowa caucuses um, has just started giving his victory speech. Uh, we will keep an eye on that as it happens. Uh, we will let you know if there's any news made in that speech, if there's anything noteworthy, something substantive and important. Um, the reason I'm saying this uh-huh. is, Here we go. of course, there is a reason that we and other news organizations have generally stopped giving an unfiltered live platform to remarks by former President Trump. And the reason is because we like to tell you lies, like there were people right. that were on the border that died, a woman and her two kids, because an evil Republican refused to physically allow border agents to do their job. And we've exposed that as being complete nonsense this afternoon. So the lies that they repeat on a regular basis on MSNBC, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you Trump hasn't made stuff up because he has, right? But let's juxtapose it with some of the stuff that we hear on a daily basis from the briefing room, etc. Here's Ari Fleischer this morning on Fox. The juicy irony of Rachel Maddow saying that they only put things on the air that are truthful. This is the network, along with CNN, that for years told the American people that Donald Trump colluded with Russia, for years covered the Steele dossier as if they were true, when none of it was true. So if their adherence was to the truth, they'd have bars across their screen because nothing they reported could be reportable. You know, it's sad because we are in, and I have to highlight this almost on a daily basis, we're in this era where I cannot trust anyone in the media. Nobody in the legacy media, for sure. And does Fox get it right all the time? No, probably not. But at least they cover some of the stories that nobody else is covering, like a flood of migrants at the border. Why don't we trust the media anymore? Pew organization took a poll in 2019. They asked the American people, does the media understand people like me? Only one group of Americans said the media understands people like me, and that was Democrats with college degrees. If you're a Democrat with just a high school degree, you thought the media doesn't understand people like me. Independence, college degree, high school degree, Republicans, college, high school. The media doesn't understand people like me. It's no longer liberal, conservative bias. It's cultural. The mainstream media, CNBC, CNN, have walked away from all Americans other than college-educated Democrats, which is why they're comfortable not showing Donald Trump, because they've just become college-educated Democrat reporters Mm. talking to college-educated Democratic viewers. The rest of the country, they don't understand. I I speak ill of my my son who's 26, sometimes the one in Houston, but let me me just share this story. So 10 years ago, he had, um, we almost graduated from high school 10 years ago, so maybe it goes back a little further than this, but he had a girlfriend when he was in high school for several years, Sue, and she was lovely. Her name was Sarah. We actually liked her better than, than Evan most of the time. And interestingly enough, she just got married and is a nurse now, and she does great. But she lived, uh, my kids lived down in Barnhart with their mom, and she lived in Jeffco in, it was a trailer park, right? So I, and, and this girl was so hardworking, and she had ambition, and she's done it now. But I, I bring this up because I would often, this is before my kids drove or before my son Evan drove, and I would drop Sarah off at her house with, with Evan and pick her up, and, and I would look at this, and I, I felt I felt guilty sometimes. I'm rolling up with a pretty nice car, and I'm in a trailer park. And I thought to myself, and this was all kind of happening when Trump was happening, and I was a little late to the game on that, but I, I really did f- firmly feel, and I believe this to this day, goes back to what Ari Fleischer was saying. There was those people that lived in that trailer park, whether they considered themselves Republican or Democrat, they probably didn't even have labels. They felt like nobody 
in Washington was standing up for them at of all. Course. And that matches up completely with what Ari Fleischer said. These media organizations, which is why I've said, why not come to Missouri? Why yeah. not come to Arkansas or somewhere you know that you can't stand and see how people live? See how the EV's not going to really go for the farmer in the middle of uh, Missouri and how they have a big truck because they need a big truck, right? Yeah. So all, all those things. And they don't care about that. They just want to cater to the elite educated people, of which there are certainly some in this country, but there's a lot of people that are just real Americans. They're struggling. They're trying to pay their bills. They're trying to, you know, live out their American dream. And then they see their dream being run down by a bunch of people that do not have the legal right to be in this country. And God bless them. They want American life and they want better things as well. But what about our people? Right. Well, the Democrats have forgotten about that. And they forgot about it in 2016. And they thought that they were back on track because they beat Trump. But guess what? Those issues still remain. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. 97.1 FM Talk. On Demand Audio. Jackie Homan is my guest right now. She's the president of the Greenwich Patriots and wrote a piece that caught my attention last week in the Connecticut Sentinel that I think is very interesting, especially along the themes of some of the stuff that's going on with the uh, trans movement and kids and the book. You know, we're always accused of book banning. Jackie Homan, how are you? Hi, Mark. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Let me focus on book banning because I love, you know, CBS was running a story a couple of weeks ago. We had our local Fox affiliate here that did book. There's no book banning that's going on. There's no book banning. There are inappropriate books that you're going to highlight, like this one that's in an elementary school library, which shouldn't be there. But that's just uh, an issue of whether or not that material is appropriately put in there for ages, right? Correct. Well, I would actually, you know, take a step back. There actually has been book banning. It's just titles that you haven't heard about. It's some older Dr. Seuss titles have been banned and pulled from the shelves. Yeah, good point, right? um, Right, but not the books that you would think would be the ones that would be pulled. Well, let's talk about the big bathhouse and what happened out there in Connecticut, Jackie. Well, You know, we've been on a bit of a mission for the last several years after we started discovering a number of inappropriate books in our school. So we've been kind of paying attention to new books as they come out and new controversies as they come out. 
And we've identified over at, at least five dozen books that I think would raise a lot of people's eyebrows. And so this is only the latest in that series of books, but this one was really surprising because of the content and the fact that it was in an elementary school. And, you know, we had a couple of parents reach out to us that were just absolutely stunned that their children would have access to a book that basically glorified bathhouse culture. Sure, it might be different in Japan than it is in the States, but it's a pretty shocking idea to present to young children, you know, potentially as young as five years old. And then second of all, the, the way that the, the book was done, while the images were very tasteful and artful, they depicted full frontal nudity and children, naked children playing with naked adults, and you could see all of the details. And we had a couple of parents who had young boys who said, what if my son came home with this book? What would he be asking? I don't know if I'm prepared to answer this. How could this just be available to kids without parents knowing it? Yeah. And that's that's the question. Like, how 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 does this happen? So this right? is on this book in particular is on the American Library Association's list of notable best books for younger readers, pre-kindergarten through um, second grade. Right now, culturally, you you alluded to this. Sure, th- this is something that may be appropriate, and it's certainly I think part of their culture in Asia, but. It's confusing to little kids. I have an eight-year-old, and I'm trying to imagine what she would do. And she's able to grasp a lot of things, but I'm looking at the pictures in this book. They're just not age-appropriate, not for K through, you know, second grade. Correct. Correct. I mean, it was, it's really shocking. And what the American Library Association says is that if, if you think that that's inappropriate, then you're a prude or some kind of squeamish American. They actually mock you if you're uncomfortable with it, which is even more shocking. Well, so right? here's here's the, the guy. Whole... Yeah, here's the guy that quote Dan Kleiman, who is with the World Library Association. The book by itself seems to be a respectful depiction of a cultural event in a foreign country where nudity in a communal bath setting is normal. I, I would accept that as being true, except that that doesn't make it appropriate for young kids, right? Right, right. That's right. And but it's you know I think what what Kleiman continued to say was that while it may be appropriate there, it's certainly not the norm in. America and in an elementary school setting. It just violates all common sense and community standards. Jackie, let's talk about another book that the American Library Association recommends. This book is called Deal With It. It's by an author by the name of Esther Drill. You want to highlight this one? I, there are so many of these books. I'm not sure if I'm familiar with that one in particular. I was I was actually just looking at genderqueer today because the, the an association that um, some English teachers in the area belong to it, the National Association of English Teachers called the NCTE is uh, teaching a webinar next week for the book Genderqueer and how to include that in the curriculum and pedagogy in school. And uh, that was kind of where I was focused well, today. Well, you know, I'll, I'll, explain, yeah, I'll explain the books that I just referred to in a second, but let's talk about Genderqueer. One of the criticisms that I have of all the media coverage of Genderqueer, and I've had some here in St. Louis in our local paper, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, look, the New York Times, the Washington Post, the LA Times, they always write about this book. You know what they never, ever do? 
They never put the actual images of the book in their stories. And by the way, technologically, <laughs> that's super easy for a newspaper to do these days. They could do it in just a couple of keystrokes, right? But they never do that. They never want to show people exactly what's depicted in the book for kids. So, again, I don't really care. if you're. I, I could probably make the case that high school, this might be age appropriate, but not for kids my daughter's age, and they're pushing this in elementary schools. Correct. Correct. We actually just had a meeting in the town of Greenwich with the League of Women Voters about quote-unquote book banning, and one of the women from the League of Women Voters was there advocating for that book, Gender Queer, and said that she would absolutely give it to someone as young as fourth grade and thought that it would be very instructional and would have been useful for her own son. And I happened to be in that meeting, and I happened to have checked out the copies of Gender Queer from the library, and I happened to have the book opened up to, you know, that page. And I held up the book and showed it to people because no one had seen what the book was and that what that picture was in the room. That's my point. And it was shocking. Look, there are people, I'm fully convinced that there are people who are, uh, they consider themselves Democrats. They would probably never vote for a Republican. And they hear about this stuff in the media and they think, oh, you Republicans are just a bunch of prudes. But they don't know all the information because they're protected from the information. And I think the people that are distributing the information in the legacy media, they know that if they were completely honest with people about what is in these books, and it's not like the worst thing ever. It's just about the appropriateness right. for these ages. And by the way, if she said that about her fourth Correct. grader, it would be instructive to her fourth grader. Forgive me if you would just for a moment, Jackie, if her fourth grader wants yeah. to suck on the penis of another fourth grader, because that's exactly what's depicted in that book. Correct. Actually, actually, it's a fake one, right? It's a strap-on is, is right. to be right. more accurate, yeah, well, which is even more shocking and confusing for a young kid to understand. That's exactly right. So when it came to, to this um, in your group, I don't know much about the Greenwich Patriots, but this is something that you guys are trying to maybe expose just a little bit as other groups across the country mm-hmm. are, Jackie? Yes, absolutely. I mean, we were, we've been shocked at the, the kind of books that we found that provide detailed instruction on how to perform sex acts, upload it to the Internet, share it, get likes, find other people and adults that think like this, that glorify pornography. It just goes on and on. And I, I don't think that I would believe it if I hadn't investigated it myself and saw it with my own eyes. And I was just really shocked. The book that I referred to is called Deal With It. That's Esther Drill. It was uh, by the aforementioned Dan Kleinman, who is the founder of the WLA, the World Library Association. He um, offers that as one of the best of the year for reluctant young readers. Now, this is a book that describes masturbation, oral sex, anal sex, orgasms, there's graphic nudity. There's alternative sexualities. It's rated. It's actually rated not for minors. And this guy from the World Library Association says, you know what? That's a pretty good book for reluctant young readers, right? right. And, that, and that's the book. By the way, the New York school system bought that book for all of its schools, all of its schools for not just high schools, right? And, and that's what's going on out there. So that's if you, uh, you know, remove a book like that from a elementary school library, you're a book banner. That's all you are. I, I think you would be hard-pressed to actually get a book like that out because they would argue that it's inclusive. And, you know, if you remove it, then you're not being very inclusive of everyone that might be there. It is stunning to me. And you know, people ask me all the time, and I've mentioned this, uh, Jackie, you might be able to appreciate this. How much, Mark, you're a talk show host, how much show prep do you do? And I say, well, I don't really have to do any these days because between the politicians <laughs> and the idiocy that surrounds stories like this, It all is gifted to me. Jackie Holman, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Have a great week. 
Thanks so much, Mark. Have Obviously. a good one, too. Audio cut of the day coming up. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Get more at 971talk.com. You know our friend Scott Jennings, who um, we see on CNN. Oh, Scott yeah. and I go back to my friendship with Joe Arnold. They're both down in Louisville, and Scott used to work in radio back in the days. A political consultant, he runs campaigns, and he does a lot of media, and he writes campaigns, uh, speeches, etc., for um, for people down in Kentucky and across the the country. But I saw a picture on his socials yesterday. He was standing, Scott Jennings, our own Scott Jennings, with a lovely woman by the name of Madison Marsh. Do you know who Madison Marsh is? I do not. She just won the Miss America pageant a couple of days oh, ago. Oh, is she in the military? U.S. Air Force Love officer. That. She graduated from the Air Force Academy. I think she's also an undergrad at Harvard, or graduate student at Harvard. We won't hold that against her. But Here's what I'm amazed by, and I, I do have an audio cut of the day coming up, but I'll just kind of use use this before that because um, I don't know why. You know, I, I think, Sue, you would agree that we are of an age. I always hate to say this because we're so old. The Miss America pageant used to be a big deal. Oh, no, right? it really did. And for a while, there was a thing called the mother-daughter beauty pageant, which was a whole separate thing that was a joke amongst me and many friends. And they would walk, hold hands and walk down the aisle and answer questions. But I digress. Uh, yes, this used to be a big deal. Is that back when Bob Barker hosted it? I, I think so. It Wasn't that him? I think it was. But it just was one of those things that the country sort of galvanized around. Yeah, right? it, it was like a big It was a big event. deal. So here's what happened the other night. Your Miss America 2024 is... Wait for it. Wait for it. It's coming. Miss Colorado! There she is. Madison Marsh, great story. Here's the thing that I was most impressed with, and I think it's quite surprising in January of 2024. Madison Marsh doesn't have a penis. Huh. And she won Miss America. Look at that. Who would have thunk that that was possible? That's kind of I'm heartening. encouraged. Yeah, I mm-hmm. know. <laughs> because you just never know these days. But awesome picture with Mr. Jennings with Madison Marsh. And I did see her making the uh, the media round. She does have a great story. There's no doubt about that. Hey, join us tomorrow. There was, as I referenced, this bite from the movie Coda, which is a good movie on Apple TV+. Plus. If movie. you want to check that out. Of the scene from that movie from, I don't know, it was like six years ago, sort of... Uh, Marley Matlin's in it, isn't it? Isn't she? Yeah, yeah, she is. But this was that scene with the fishermen and the commercial fishermen complaining about the fees that the U.S. government had put on them. Oh, yeah. That's what's before the Supreme Court. And they had arguments today. And our friend Ilya Shapiro, who's now with the Manhattan Institute, will join us tomorrow. He'll explain all of that stuff because there are some interesting aspects of that that I think apply to broader life here, as often is the case with U.S. Supreme Court cases. Now, the audio cut of the day. So, you know, I I had a ton of options here, but I I wanted to focus, and now I can't find the damn thing. I'm telling you, you know, when my cup runneth over, like I said, uh, Abby, if you're listening right now, where the hell did we put that soundbite here that I was, oh, here it is. 
Thank God. I didn't want to screw this up. Audio Cut of the Day sponsored by my friends at the Good Feet Store. It's all about comfort, energy, performance, and pain relief. For those people who don't pay uh, attention to NFL football, we're in the playoffs right now, headed Mm -hmm. toward the Super Bowl. And uh, I mentioned the Green Bay Packers are going to play this weekend, which was a little bit of a surprise because they beat the Dallas Cowboys. Tampa Bay has been on a roll right now. Yeah, that's weird. Baker Mayfield is their quarterback, and they just smoke the Eagles, just completely destroy the Eagles. So they play in Detroit this weekend. Detroit, even though I'm a Packers fan, I have appreciation for Dan Campbell and his story. You know, uh, Detroit has been a long time. I I do. I have a, a, a friend down the street, Stephen, who might be listening right now, and he's a just a Die, die hard, hard but yeah. just, you know, they've been in so much pain because they can't win championships there. And I guess the last time they won baseball was, um, well, we beat them, didn't we, in 2000? I, so. anyway, I can't remember. So the, the story is this. They're playing Tampa Bay's in a sunny climate, right? It's warm down there. We saw what happened in Kansas City yeah, with the temperatures. Well, Detroit, it's cold up there, too. So Todd Bowles, the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, is they do all these you know news conferences and it's media day or whatever, and there's a reporter that asks a question here. The weather has been a factor in some of the playoff games, even for the most prepared teams. Uh, today, it's uh, 13 in uh, Detroit, which doesn't compare to some of the temperatures we tend to talk to. Any special plans to acclimate the team to not only uh, endure but perform in those kind of frigid temperatures should you face them in Detroit? Um, I think a fair portion of the audience realizes where this is going at this point. You do know we play indoors, right? They got a dome. I don't um, No, nothing planned. We're, we're indoors, and we only have to be outside for 20 seconds getting off the bus going under the thing, so we'll be okay. Well, I think he handled that uh, quite he well. Did. Very I feel polite. so bad for her. Um, oh. I don't because she asked a stupid know, question and she should have known better. It. So I have no empathy there. There you go. Have a great night. Get more at 971talk.com. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.